It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal. Rick Boring from Musketeer Report and the NKU Radio Network. And from the NKU TV side, Brady Labor. We're going to talk some UC after their win over Wichita on Sunday. Xavier with a uh, loss at home to Villanova. How much will that cost them? And, and how much does that make you push the panic button? Kentucky with a big win at home over Florida, despite the fact they can't get the ball in bounds at the end of basketball games. And, of course, NKU with a big week that sets up a huge showdown with everyone's favorite team from Fairborn, Ohio, Wright State on Friday night. Got a little help this weekend. Yes, the Wolves. Yes, indeedy. Let's start, though, with UC. Um, it's the best thing it, Chad's it, ever done. Chad, it, it felt like we were going to overtime number five. It was almost destined, right? I mean, I even when thought that, at the end when the, when the two free throws put it back on the number three. I that ball was in the air. I did, too. I'm like, that's good. That's he, going in. He got a clean look. He got a great look. That he released it clean. I was, I was The I angle mean, looked perfect, right? you got to be bleeping kidding me when that ball was in the air. I was like... I, at that point, it was almost just shut the laptop and walk out. Yep, five overtimes, yeah. five overtime games in a row is, is is quite enough. Four, four with a double at the end. Oh my goodness! Yes. The, yeah. the, well, here's here's the thing. So they only scheduled thirty games this year instead of thirty one. Well, they're going to play thirty three. Well, that they've they've now played an extra forty minutes right, with right. all the overtimes, so they have made up the the game that they didn't schedule. Yeah. Um, all right, so this is another game where I, I look and go, how? How do you win this? Chris Vogt doesn't do much, and Trey Scott doesn't score much, and Jaron doesn't make shots, and yet they Keith got Williams some, got zero. Keith Williams got zero, and yet you got 26 off the bench, and I guess that's the point of how you won. Yeah. Zach Harvey made a, the, the three that made it five. The rainbow three was huge. Mamadou Diara scores six points. Hits um, a three. And hits a three. Uh, it's one of those ones, I guess, at this time of year, you don't count on that, but, boy, you got it, and you got it at a big time. Yeah, and it's against another team that was just as desperate as you. Right. I mean, Wichita had, had been swept by Houston. Cincinnati beat them at Wichita. Their resume needed a win. So you're get, you're dealing with two teams equally desperate. And Wichita probably could have, I don't want to say solidified itself, but would have gone a they long yeah. way with a, with a road win at UC to put on the resume. With two weeks to go, yeah, you're, they would have been in real good shape yeah. had they won this game. So you're dealing with two completely desperate teams. And somehow, I mean, vote with two. Williams with zero. Jerry, Trey, Trey, Trey three of ten, although he made a bunch of free throws. Trey only scored one point in the second right. half. Um, everything about that game said loss. But... When they needed it, you, you get a, an and one from Chris McNeil, who I, who had not hit a field goal since the UCF game. Wow. Now, not the UCF game from Wednesday. No, no. Before, yeah. The one in, in January, he had not made a field goal. So, so he gets an and one. Like you said, the Diara with six was really big. Zach Harvey with 10. And, and Diara and Harvey, defensively, Diara at the top of the one three one, And then Harvey, when they used him uh, in the man-to-man, both of them gave huge sparks. Harvey got two steals. Diara was really disruptive at the top of that one three one. Um it I I still most of the time you walk out of a game going, I have I don't know how they won. But they continue to manage to figure it out somehow. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you look at a at a stat sheet at a box score. But I think a lot of I mean, you've got you've got two seniors that have won. A lot, right? In Trey Scott and Jaron Cumberland, and 
they're just kind of not letting them lose right now. All right, up eight in the second half. I, I didn't feel like they were going to put Wichita away, but I felt like you're a couple possessions from making this a very comfortable game. Why, why can't they do that? And we've seen that at times. I mean, even on the road at UCF, got back to an eight-point lead at one point. It felt like, oh, you're the better team. You're going to win – or against East Carolina. Right? Yeah. You're the better team. You're going to win this game. Why can't they seem to manage prosperity? They don't have great shooters, so they, they struggle to really extend those leads. They turn the ball over too much, and that really is probably the biggest issue and why they can't stretch those leads out because they'll get it out to eight, and then they'll have two turnovers, and it'll get, be down to four right away. And then all of a sudden, the other team, you know, they're one shot from right. being right back in the mix. Um, it's just not – it's not a, a deep roster. It's not – there's not overwhelming talent where they can just pull away from you. No, it, I, I agree with that. It just they're a like boxer they, that fights in close quarters. Yeah, it just feels like they can never handle the prosperity of the eight-point lead yeah. of get two more stops, two more good possessions, and you're fine. You're good. The, the game's over. You've, you've hit them a lot, in the mouth and, enough. And a lot of it has been defensively. Right. Um, today it wasn't. Today I thought they played as well as they've played defensively in a while. They switched some things up with their ball screen coverage a little bit, and then they, they tried the 1-3-1 one, one in, in each half um, that, that gave them a spark. Um I don't know. I mean, it, I wish there was an easy answer for it, but it, it, it's a, it's a culmination of things. It, it's getting those one or two stops that you need and then not turning it over when you get those one or two stops that lead to baskets. Um, it, it's just a team. Well, one, they don't really have a point guard. No, right. That's right. Yeah. Jaron's doing everything no, as, right. as best he can. Yeah. But when you've got an eight-point lead and you're trying to to expand it, you need you kind of need a point guard, and they and they don't really have one right now. And Chris Vote is his Chris Vote didn't hit a wall; the wall hit him. Like he has been bludgeoned over the head uh, with fatigue over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue they have when they're trying to close games out is that they just don't have a point guard. And Jaron's been up and down. He makes a lot of plays for the team throughout the course of a game, but in terms of actually being that guy in end of game scenarios, who's the ball handler. It's not ideal for them. No, you'd like a point guard to create something for him, yeah. right? You'd, yeah, you'd like to have someone getting the ball up the court for him and getting the ball to him in a, in a situation where he can do something. Well, that was the original plan with this roster, wasn't it? I mean, John McNeil was supposed to be that guy. And he, correct. He's, he's got the, the worst case of the yips I think I've ever seen. Because that, that guy, he hit seven threes in a game at New Mexico. Right. He couldn't hit seven threes in an empty gym if you gave him six hours right now. But I'll go to that, and, and I'm going to tie this to Jason Carter in a minute. I mean, do you get to the point where really the speed of this level is just a little much for those kind of guys? I mean, it's I don't what jump I'm ahead a little bit, but it's what I've said all along. It's become the the grad transfers or the transfers transferring up multiple levels. It has become junior college guys. Yeah, but I mean, New Mexico State. It is. It's. It's not like suddenly it's Division Two. He was at Western one. before that. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. And, and I mean, for Jason Carter, it wasn't like he was a middling player in the MAC. No, but I think what you run into is that some of these guys it works out okay with, but for a lot of them, I'll be interested to see what happens with Jason Carter because he has that second year next right. year. That's what I was going to get to. And I think a lot of guys seem to need that year to sort of settle in, get up to speed on it, like. 
I keep using this example, and I know it's just one, but he's the best example that I've seen for Xavier is Travis Taylor. When he came from Monmouth that first year, he'd like catch the ball and travel every time with it. Couldn't couldn't make a layup, couldn't catch the ball without traveling. And then his senior year or that second year that he was on Xavier's campus, he was great. I mean, it was an all A ten type performer. That's why I compare it to JUCO. Because and UC obviously had a lot more, so I'm familiar with right. it, but those JUCO guys always seem to that first year struggle mightily oftentimes and then the second year they would be ready to go because they had adjusted to the speed and the pace and the physicality of of jumping up leagues like you say jason carter didn't jump up make a big jump the physicality of the big east compared to the mac is i I agree with that exponential but again i'm not asking a kid to go division two to do that i'm talking about looking at a guy going you're really good in a pretty good league it's not a good but it's so different skinny and and i'm with you because the proof's in the pudding so i'm not trying to disagree i'm just going to play a little devil's advocate but all you're looking for a jason carter to do or chris mcneil to do is to make a wide open shot that part shouldn't seem to be speed of the game right yeah but i think what happens is your confidence is affected sure because you were like if you're jason carter you were the go-to guy for ohio you averaged 17 18 points a game now all of a sudden you're a guy who can't score six and you're missing wide open shots and you're getting beat defensively and your athleticism isn't as athletic as it was at the old place you were at and like in the, fact it's the exact opposite right you were the, the number one guy now and now now you're like right. the ninth guy on the floor in terms of athleticism. Well, and I mean, for, in his case, that wasn't even true, you know. I mean, because even in <laughs> yeah, the back, he was I'm the saying. best athletic guy. But the funny thing is, like, when he played against Xavier while he was at Ohio, he had all this confidence. He scored like 18 points against Xavier, and he was fine against X. But now I think he just has a lack of confidence, and that's it matters so much. Like, the longer I'm around this stuff, the more I realize the game between the Duke oh, years is huge. like, it's everything. Yeah, it is. It's huge. Yeah, it just seems like... You're not asking them to do the things they did at other places. You're almost saying, stand here. When we kick it to you, shoot the ball. You can do that, can't and, you? But I think part of that it impacts their confidence as well. Because they're like, wait, why does Coach hate me? I'm supposed to be the go-to guy on this team like I've been in the past. And now he's telling me he doesn't want me to shoot at all. Or he's telling me I can't handle. Or he's telling me I'm terrible. You know, like So I think that really impacts those guys trying to fit into a role after being a star player at th- their previous stop. Um, let's go to Zach Harvey and while you're looking for weapons here in the next few weeks as you get into conference tournament and beyond, can he evolve into that? I'm not talking 12, 15-point no, game but can, weapon, but can he kind of suddenly give you the six to eight points a game? Yeah, I think he can, and I think his confidence is growing. I mean, we saw him. He stepped into a huge shot against ECU and, and nailed it. In he, the overtime, he, right? In yeah, the overtime. Yeah. He stepped into a big shot today and, and, and hit nothing but the bottom of the net. So I think confidence for him is growing. I think with him... The biggest reason John couldn't put him on the floor is defensively he was not up to snuff yet. I think some of that was still the ankle um, that that was recovering. Now he's giving them a lot of energy on defense, and that is that is rolling over into the offensive end. The two steals he got today, uh, both you know led to layups that gets you up to to ten points when you make the three. All of a sudden, you're carving out a role that is look. If Javen is off, somebody else has to. Somebody else is there now. You're, yeah, right. You know, now you're looking at like Keith Williams two fouls in the first three minutes today. All of a sudden, all right. Well, we're going to need Javen and, and Zach Harvey to really step up and, and play a role. Um, I, Javen actually, I thought he was one for eight from three, but he had a, a, a baseline jumper. He hit a, a mid range two. He got to the rim on a really nice score. He helped in other ways outside of his three point shooting. And then Zach Harvey gave them 
a, a burst of energy, you know, a couple different times. So I do think now you're looking at more confidence in going to the bench, especially from those wing guys. Uh, and, and Harvey can be that, you know, that I, I think first it's Javen because if he's got his jump shot going, yeah, he's, he's a yeah, difference yes, maker. Yes. But if but he's off he's now, you've, off. but now you've got another guy to insert in and have some confidence in and think that he can make an impact. So I, I do think Zach Harvey makes a difference for this team over the last three games. The one, three, one zone um, was really effective when they, when he went to it. And some of it is, you know, Wichita missed some shots, but they looked out of sync. They were some deep threes that they took. They didn't look in, in great rhythm. It seemed to really kind of change things up for in, in a really good way. Well, when you're put a six ten guy, at that's got a 40 inch vertical leap at the top of it, it makes getting into your offense a little difficult. Now, Greg Marshall did game plan it at halftime, and they went to it in the second half, and he carved it up. Yeah, with, and then one they play. went back man. They went back man. But I do think with with Diara out there, they've used Jeremiah Davenport out there when he's been in the and game. And he's got a long wingspan. And he's got a long wingspan. Yeah. But it, and then when you go to Mamadou, it's 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 even more significant trying to get the ball over top of him, trying to to get it into passing lanes to get your offense started against the one three one. So it was effective. It was definitely something. They had to come up with something because if you watch that UCF game, I mean, UCF went 19 of 28 on layups. It was a clinic on running ball screens and abusing Cincinnati's ball screen coverage. So they had to do something a little bit different or, or Wichita State was going to do the same. And they, they had a couple of points where they were, were trying to abuse that, but Cincinnati was going under screens instead of trying to fight over, which made them late. They didn't get in situations where it was, it was Chris Vogt isolated on a 6-3 quick ball handler coming downhill at him. So, um, But some of that was definitely the, the ability to go 1-3-1 one, one and change the, the flow of things. The win today for UC, I guess, avoids the death knell of saying you really don't have a chance to be an at-large, or you would have really been up against. Well, you would have had to definitely one won at Houston, Houston. Yeah. which. So, so does today, if you were to look at it, because Wichita was, in theory, by most accounts, in UC was either barely in or barely out, one or the other. Again, it's all subjective at this point. This, I would hope, gives you a little edge. I know you look at resumes rather than head-to-head, but this would have to give you a little edge over Wichita if push came to think. shove, right? Because you've swept them. You would think. I mean, who knows? It's not like you swept them in dominating fashion, but that you did sweep them. I, I, have, I haven't seen Wichita's uh, bracket or tournament sheet. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they have ten got, quad one or quad two wins, I believe. The, the, the they're uh, they're eight and um, eight and seven now after the loss today because UC would have been a quad two. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they're eight and seven after today in quad one and quad two. They've they're two and three in quad one and six and four now in quad two. Um, but they have no bad losses. That, see, that's a really interesting thing about UC's resume is the fact that they have four quad three losses. Now they have seven or eight now quad eight. one and quad, quad two yeah. wins which is going to be really good compared to most of the teams on the bubble. But most of the teams on the bubble aren't going to have more than probably two right. bad losses. It's going to be it's going to be a, 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 a tell on what the committee favors this year, right? The kind wins of, like or they, the losses. Well, but we've the had years where they've looked at it and, and all they valued was the wins. And they didn't care about the losses. We've had years where they've looked at the losses and, and, and dinged you hard for losing those quad three and quad four games. So I think UC is going to be 
you know, if they if they're an at large, you see is going to be a very interesting case study in what this committee is thinking. Yeah, and even when you look at them on like bracket matrix, it's interesting because they're, they're still in even after yes, that they, loss. They were actually going into the day. Yeah, before yeah. before the yeah. Wichita State game, but at the same time, then you like look at the brackets they have them in, and like someone has them as a seven seed. So you're like, yeah, that's, and there's some other weird. There's always things. an outlier or two somewhere along the right, way, right? And that's for most teams in the bracket matrix. So I'm not saying right. I'm not trying to say like, oh, that's the only reason yeah, no, they're no, in because right. other teams have that yeah. same thing going on. But then like, there's a lot of brackets that don't have them in too. So you look at it, you start seeing like, oh, there's a seven, there's a nine. So that's helping average them up. And then a lot of people, you're right. They're going to be a really interesting case study depending on how things finish up here. Now you went at Houston, then then, then, then you probably feel pretty good considering the way this bubble looks. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's it just. And I didn't feel that. Like I thought the UCF game was a make or break game. I didn't I, think they could lose that. I didn't think it was that. make or break, I, but I thought it was a. It was I a, thought it was going to be a lot more damaging than it yeah, was. Like the week, the week before they played it. But like when, by the time we got there, you're kind of looking and you're like, well, this isn't going to. This might not hold them out of the tournament, right? And, um, and for a lot of people, it didn't. It hasn't. And now they bounce back and they get this one today, and all of a sudden they're back on the upswing. Yeah. Now if they lose, they've got to be two and one the rest of the way yeah. with the win um, against Temple. I mean, with the only loss being at, at Houston. Houston, right? And if that happens, you think they're probably in that large bid, assuming so. they win like a game at the American. Yeah, what, what you couldn't do in that scenario is drop a, a first round stinker. Yeah, another quadrant three game. Yeah, but if if you get to the semis, I would think you're gonna if you go. The one that worries me, no, no, no question, is South South Florida. Florida yeah, right because it's, it's right after Houston. Yeah, you play Houston on a Sunday. That's going to be a war. They're already beat to hell. The emotion of it, if you win, of thinking, yeah. ooh, we've done our job, right? And then you turn around, you fly straight to Tampa, and on Tuesday night... Before a, no crowd, yeah. probably. I in, mean, In front of an, a crowd that's going to rival uh, our... Our... Uh, our podcast. Our, our, our no, podcast our, our watch crowd. party at the Holy Grail will have as many people as they yeah, will have at South be, Florida. It won't be many. You're right. I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll have a nice crowd, but based on, on being in an arena, it will not be a nice crowd. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I would agree with that. But it's funny, though. It feels like every week we come to this feels like a crossroads, right, for everybody. And you look at the end of the week, you're like, nobody else made a move, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of that's the way it's been. You, I think now if you do work yourself back in, it takes a lot of work to work yourself back out, right? But how much does a win at Houston? Well, I think that's a ton. I mean, that, that, that overtake any kind of damage or loss at South Florida. No, and that's always the best question. I think it goes back to what everybody was talking about is because we've we've kind of talked in those terms, right? Where you get a win over Wichita on the road, or you get yeah. a win over Houston at home, or you get a win over, and that'll counteract those bad losses. Well, it really doesn't because they're still on your resume. They're right. still bad losses. But you also can't discount the good wins. So there's almost a yin and yang. Almost feels like almost like you want to go. Okay, I'm going to chop that bad loss and that bad loss and that bad loss. But I'm going to chop these three good wins off, and now I'm, I've got a five win advantage. We're plus five. Here's where it gets interesting for Cincinnati, though. Is a large number of the teams on the bubble only have four and five quad one, quad two wins right. combined. So if they were close. Like if, if UC goes into Selection Sunday with, let's say, for example, nine quad one and two wins, and everybody else was at seven or eight, it wouldn't be that big. Like the losses would then, I right. think, start to matter a lot but more. If it's six, but if the yeah, if there's one team with six and then the next group has four and five, like that's the the jump from four quality wins to nine it's quality huge. wins yeah, huge is difference. gigantic. Yeah. So again, fascinating tournament resume. Because it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And so, neither do a lot of other resumes either. 
I mean, yeah, there's, but they do if you look at them, though. Yeah, but because they're you know those teams are are four and four and eight, four and seven right. in quad one and two games. So it does make sense that they're they're on or the losing bubble the, or yeah. losing those other. Well, games. Yeah. well, like for example, one of the first four out right now is Arkansas. Okay, and they're um, four and ten against quad one and quad two teams. They're two and six quad one, two and four quad two. No bad losses, right? And so, like, that's the interesting comparisons UC is yeah. going to be up against is a team with like three. And four, no one's five. talked about Arkansas getting in. Yeah, well, maybe well, a little. Yeah, they are. There's a bubble. I but, agree. I agree. I'm talking about like these are the next teams out. You know, the teams right. that are just see, out of the yeah, tournament. Yeah, right like UC is competing. That with. probably has four no and they were, four quad one and two wins. And that's why I think UC, like to to your point, that it's almost hard to play yourself out right now is because. A lot of years we say, oh, the bubble's so big. There's so many teams on the bubble. It's this year, small. there really aren't that many teams right. on the bubble. It feels like a lot of teams have played their way out, and UC really isn't competing with as many teams as they normally would be at the cutoff And in line. defense of Arkansas, they were without the Joe kid for six games, so and, that did mm-hmm. factor in. I'm not sure they won it. They, they may have gone no, They were 0-5, five. Five. Yeah, okay. and he yeah. came back this and they weekend won. And, and they won. won. Yeah. yeah, and so that could play a factor in for them, too. It could be interesting. But yeah, and I that's mean, just like, one case study. It, yeah, that's yeah. just one team I happened to select right. here as you guys were talking because, you know, I was interested, like, yeah, okay, no. what do those other... And that's a next four out team, so that's not even first four out. Like a first four out um, is Georgetown. So I mean, if you want me to look at yeah, them, if I you can, get a chance, I, it's I, just I, I think it's just interesting to all these case studies of, of where they're at in in um, the the fact that UC's put together some quad one quad two wins. I think really bodes well for them to probably offset those losses. So George yeah. Georgetown is four and ten against quad one, five and two against See, quad two. Go. So they're nine and 12, nine and twelve with no bad losses. Okay, that's so pretty good. That's a first four out, and like that's a, a resume where I'm like. You know, you you look at their overall record though, they're fifteen and twelve. Right. You know? So I mean that's where I think it gets interesting is how much do overall wins matter versus and, and, your I, and quad I know one, the committee doesn't games. the committee doesn't count for this, and certainly UC would have to win at Houston to do this. Well, but it, but if what if you win the league? I mean, I think that's gotta count for something, right? Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it does. I, I don't Tulsa's think it, only at, what a game out. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, here that's a good point. So you've got Stanford. Who, these are all bubble teams. Stanford's was four and eight in quad one and two. East Tennessee State four and three quad one and two. Northern Iowa four and two quad one and two. Utah State four and six quad one and two. Arkansas, we just talked about. Mississippi State has six quad one and two wins. Yeah, it's where are they at in terms of losses though? That's the do they? Yeah, have bad and losses that's if we're not? looking to counteract. Mississippi State's got two quad three losses. Um, Richmond has two. Utah State has one. Northern Iowa has two. Because that's um, where it really gets interesting what, to me is the teams with no bad losses with you know just maybe and, four or five. And, and the good question wins. then comes in: How much do they look at like overall record? Well, then like like East Tennessee State. They're eleven and one in quad four games. They played twelve quad four games. How much are you looking? You added that. How that deep are you? Yeah. How deep are you looking? Like Utah State has ten quad four games. Richmond has ten quad four games. Cincinnati's only got three. And then there's obviously like different levels to a quad one win, right? Do they yeah. do they really delve into that and be like, well, look at who their quad ones mm-hmm. wins. The, these guys got a team that was borderline seventy five on the road, and these guys got a top ten team. On well, the road. I would say here's what today did though. Today made you now go go to Houston, take care of business, and you've put yourself you you put a pretty good stamp on this. Yeah, that, that's what today did. Yeah. That, that that to me. So now the question becomes: no. What can they do to go to Houston and pull off that win? You got a week. That's a good thing. I mean, I think some guys. I think Chris Vote. I think Chris Vote has hit a physical wall. I think Jaron's definitely hit a physical wall. Of I think course. they could really use the full week well, to kind of 
get themselves rejuvenated. I, I struggle to find a way that they're going to beat Houston at Houston. But what I will say is what we have seen from Houston is they are not good in the final three minutes of a game. They do not have the Corey Davis or the Armani Brooks that they had last year that could shoot them to a win. Um, so if you can keep it close with, you know, what, four at, at the under four timeout, if you're if you're within two, three points, you're going to have a chance to, to sneak out of there with the win because they have struggled to close games. Other than that, I, I fear this. And the week off will help because I think they should – finally start to look a little more fresh because I think this stretch of the past... Oh, there's no quite. With the overtimes thrown into the mix, no doubt. has really... Like, you could tell talking to everybody today post-game, everybody was ready for, like, Monday and Tuesday to not talk to each other. No, I mean, you've had had winner else games that have gone to overtime that you've had to grind out, and even today was a grind... I mean, you need that week. If you had to play this game on a Wednesday... I might have to go make a trip to the casino and put everything I got on Houston and call it a day because I think they'd kick the living daylights out of them. Yeah. A week, a week helps. Do you want to reset and do a new intro now that the Bearcat Journal podcast is done? Or? <laughs> they're, they're the most. Hey, I had nothing to do with it. He kept asking me questions. I, 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 I'm I not blaming you. I'm looking at him. Saying, asking right. him if he wants to fix the situation I, I, that he created. I, I will move to Xavier though, and the problem is, just watch a, this. There, there doesn't seem like you're <laughs> what do you got to say about Xavier? Nothing. Nothing. That's just it. And you, you, and same you agree, and same you agree thing with we've me. been saying exactly. All year. I was just saying we can rubber stamp Xavier right now and go same so, old, same old. So can we say that about this team though? The thing I keep reading on my message board is that this team is so inconsistent. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it's, they're, they're really consistent. consistent. Yeah. Like, they're consistently like, inconsistent against the worst. The worst. Now, granted, they pulled a win off at Seton Hall because Seton Hall came out and slept walked through the first twenty minutes of the game. And that's where I wonder if, if you're a fan, you look and go, "That's what that team's capable of doing." Okay, right. Yeah. And that is that was inconsistent. That was an outlier performance. They played really well, and Seton Hall slept walked through the game that gave them the opportunity to get rolling. But aside from that, for the most Miles part, Powell doesn't even know that game happened. Right. He's you still, still on he's a, a food coma <laughs> after eating a billion pancakes at the Frishes the morning before or something. <laughs> I mean, the dude has fat guy tendencies. I get it. I'm not good, mad though. at him. I'm just saying he did you not have show no up. idea how fat he was as an AAU player. <laughs> I saw the pictures. I mean, he was fat, fat. Like, you know, he can, woo he, buddy. He can play. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Boy, but he's skinny now. Yeah. He slept walk through that game. I mean, there's just no way around it. And that's why Xavier won. Aside from that, against the worst teams in the conference, they get a little more leeway. They're able to get a little more going inside with their offense. And it opens some things up. And they look better. And against the better teams in the conference, it doesn't happen and they look worse. Like, it's not... They're not inconsistent. It's just like, they play they better against the cons- worst yeah. teams, and they have very specific limitations that we see every single game. All right. Are you at... If you, if you are Travis Steele, are you at the stage of in games like Nova? And, and it's probably not the answer. I'm just trying to push a button here more than anything else. When you know that Jason Carter just, for whatever reason, in a game like that, can't play, do you roll the dice with Quentin Gooden more and go, listen, I've seen you do this before. At least I know you've done this before. And I'm just going to I'm gonna run you out there for 32 minutes and let's see where it goes, bro. That's an interesting question. I mean, I, they're not getting a lot out of Quentin Gooden no, when he comes I know into the, the game. I, so it's I, not I realize like that. It's not like he's forcing their hand into that. Yeah, no, I understand that. At the same time. But I'm trying been, to find an answer here too, right? He's been put in a tough position. I mean, he's been benched. He's getting like 10 to 12 minutes a game right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure his confidence is shot. The fan base is just crushing him yep. after every game on social media. Like, I can't imagine he's in a great headspace. No, right I now. understand that. So I don't really blame him for not exactly performing in his 12 minutes a game. And, you know, he, he goes like one or 0 for 2 from 3, and people think it's like the end of the world. And he's the reason Xavier's losing games to Villanova. It's crazy. But, yeah, I don't see him necessarily being the solution either, just because I don't know if he's in the headspace to do so. 
Jason Carter gives you some size at least, and I think that's worked better for this team than it did beforehand in terms of their matchups. But against a team like Villanova, where the matchups didn't really play out in that favor with your bigger lineup, no, maybe Quinton's athleticism would have at least helped you on the other end of the floor more than Jason Carter's. Team. Maybe that's a game where you wonder where is Quinton at, and at this point, you probably have to question what the what is the relationship like between Quinton and the coaching staff because it seems like they don't have a lot of trust in him. Yeah, and I get it. I'm just thinking, all right, look, it's a senior. He's been through it. I get where we're at. You go to him and go, listen, man, time's running out. Let, let's go down swinging. I, I know how things have gone for you, dude. I get it. But how about we all go down swinging together? And, I, and you're I a actually, part of that. And I'm going to I'm gonna give you the leeway to do it. I'm going to let you play through some mistakes. And I'm going to let you do this because I think you're the one guy that can maybe snap us out of this. Because he's done it. The, the thing is, he's done it before. That's I, the part to me. I actually kind of like that mentality. Like, I'd be, especially because you have a guy like Jason Carter, who has kind of, they slid in another big man. So Jason Carter had to move up. He's the guy who's kind of out of position right, already. Right. So you can pretty easily fit Quentin back into the lineup if you need to for more extended minutes. I mean, Najee's playing the two guard. You certainly playing back to the three, for goodness sakes. I'd be tempted to try that a little more. And and again, it's specific opportunities, right? Sure. The Villanova game sure. was probably the opportunity to do it. And the fact that they didn't even really try to. And it, they look, they gave Quentin some minutes, and he didn't play all that. Oh, well. no, I so understand. It's not like, I, 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 look, I get, I, I'm not here to tell you that he suddenly forced the hand. He's not even come close to that. I just. But I get your it's point. It's a guy that you've seen. Carter's giving them nothing as well. Yeah, and. I can't trust Jason Carter, I guess, because I have not seen it if I'm if I'm Travis. I've seen Quentin do it. Haven't seen it much this year, but I've seen him do that. And that's where maybe it's just if I'm trying to push you a hope last a senior becomes a senior. I'm trying to push point. a last button here and go, I got my last bullet and it's you and it may be moldy and it may not be as fresh and shiny as I'd like it to be, but I've seen this bullet do some magic tricks before. Go. Yeah, the interesting thing about where they're at right now is I think it's clear that this year's team is better than last year's team, but they haven't hit the stride that last year's right. team hit at the end of the year. They're not playing their best basketball to where they can beat teams that are better than them the way last year's team did when they beat Villanova at the Cintas Center. And that is interesting to me because maybe there's still a little upside left for this team if they get hot. At the same time, you have to start wondering, like, I think people thought it clicked for them when they won those couple games, you know, they won at Seton Hall right. and they got on a roll and played their way back into the tournament. I think people thought it was clicking. As and opposed I, I to being it, outliers. And I think it's clear that it's not clicking. No, really. I, They're I, not playing that well still. Uh, you got to Paul at home. I mean, would this be a nice time to try Quinton? You would think there's a, you want to try to get your confidence boost. Now it's also a game you best damn well win. So you also yeah, got I don't think this is a game to experiment with okay. because people keep thinking, you know, it's, it's so funny. It's Xavier fans before they lose to Villanova. Yeah. Two games, we win two more games, we're in the tournament, we feel good no matter who it is. They lose to Villanova and they don't play very well. Got to go 4-0! We're out, we're out. We have no chance to play the tournament if we don't win the Big East tournament. It's like, what are you talking, what, what, what just happened? What are they on Bracket Matrix? I saw yesterday, I think they were still a 9. I don't think it's been updated today, so that's probably unfair. You're probably going to look at the same Bracket Matrix I, I looked yeah, at Yeah, they're the last 9 now. It's, that's still, it says, do you understand how comfortably in that is right now this year? And, and really, when you look at it, I mean, look at what we were just talking about with UC and whether they're in or not, and it sounds like Probably in if they take care of business with three quadrant three losses. When you look at Xavier's resume, I mean they're just not really even in danger. They're three and nine quad one, six and one quad two. That's so nine. that's nine and ten right. in quad one, quad two. They have no bad losses. Right. They're eight and zero in quad three, quad four. So and the, the rest. What of would DePaul be? Would DePaul be a quad DePaul's two? DePaul's a quad two because it's a home game. Right. Um, but Georgetown, Providence, and Butler the rest of the way are all quad one opportunities. So. To win two, two, two games, two and two, you're yeah. It's what it gives you a twelve. Yeah, and and to me, the the time to start panicking 
is if they lose this to Paul. Yes, absolutely. because now winning two games out of those last three is it's really not going to be difficult. Very, yeah, I mean, the way Georgetown's playing, the way Providence is playing, and then you get your arch nemesis at home. And I don't know that with them playing for a seed line, right? On Senior Day, on where Quentin was, Gooden was, might was, be able to yeah. step up, and it would be just this, you know, awesome to story. Out. That would be a good. That would story be a great line. story. That really would be. But I mean, I, I don't think one and four down the stretch here would have gotten. It. I, no, so, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think you got to go two and two um, in these final four. And it starts with DePaul. If you don't get that DePaul win, then, yeah, I think you start panicking a little bit as a Xavier fan. But DePaul at home, I would think they'd have a pretty good chance to win that game. Like, they usually play well against a team like DePaul this year. So, Yep. Let's move to Kentucky. And and I'll be honest, as you remember back in December, I didn't think this was a very good team. And I I didn't. And they weren't a very good team. It's the worst Kentucky team ever, according to most UK fans, a couple months ago. I I don't know about ever. There was the Eddie Sutton team that went 13-19. and That might have been the worst one ever. uh, I'm done with the one and done. I'm done with Cal. (laughs) Um, But it's actually not as one and done. It's it's a couple guys that have stuck around that have done some things for him. Um, it, it It has been quite an interesting team because... You just, it feels like the parts have finally fit, right? I mean, you've got the three-guard front, and you've got... Well, everything changes when Nick Richards goes from yes, an and, afterthought to an All-American. Like yeah, that, he's been... The, the transformation it, of Nick Richards completely changes yeah. the entire conversation on this because team. Because it allows those guards a lot yeah. more freedom to do... Yeah. Well, but also, I mean, when we were, you know, after probably the Ohio State loss, even in the Louisville game, we were still kind of talking about, like, this team doesn't have reliable shooters. They don't have a reliable shooter. And now Emmanuel quickly has become one of the most reliable shooters and, and in the country. And even on a day when you don't shoot like they did against Ole Miss last week, they you find still had way. Nick Richards to find a way, but then you bounce back in that LSU game and go 7-for-7 seven seven from three in the second half, which was ridiculous. And then, obviously, the way he quickly shot the ball on, on Saturday, and we've seen Tyrese Maxey do it before. The thing is, I, I guess you don't need Sestina and quickly and... and uh, uh, Richards. Richards, you don't need them all doing something on the same night now. Now you, you get three or four, and three of them, you're good. The last couple games, we've actually seen a little life from EJ Montgomery. Yeah. And yeah. he hasn't been great. He's had flashes. But he's had flashes where it, it it's more prominent now because and Richards is so good. All of a sudden, Montgomery's giving you a little help alongside him or in place of him so that you don't crater when he comes off the floor. Like, it, it, confidence. Well, I think, too, with EJ Montgomery – it's okay for him to be the second guy as opposed to the go-to guy that he thought he had to be because everybody had anointed him a one-and-done. I mean, that's another guy just like Nick Richards. He could come back a third year, and he could be an All-American. He's, yeah, I mean, he's got the physical makeup. Yeah, the physical yeah. makeup for sure. There, and that's no probably doubt. what he – it's taken him a year and in, in three quarters to figure out. Now, if there's a little Achilles heel at the end of games, they why, how can a team with three guards have that much trouble taking care of the ball at the end of basketball games? So it's a great question. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. UK fans will say they have no uh, inbounds out of bound plays. They got no press break. Yeah, does no Cal, press does Cal break. know what press break does he, does he have any press well, breaks? Well, he doesn't practice it when they're tired at the end of practice after they already ran. That's what it is. So it doesn't simulate the entire game. Because, because cuts aren't as sharp. They don't yeah, come right. meet the pass. What he's doing is, is he's practicing free throws at that time. But have they been to Camp Cal yet? Camp Cal's come and gone, baby. Camp Cal's oh, over. We didn't hear anything about Camp Cal. And no tweak here. either. The, the, tw- the, the tweak, tweak hasn't happened yet. The yeah, tweak well, is the still tweak come. was they somehow gave Nick Richards some kind of special medicine. They gave him something. How about the twerk? They gave him something. Camp, have, camp, we, have we seen the twerk yet? Camp Cal was... I don't uh, want to see the twerk. Camp Cal was getting Richards on the juice. Apparently. That's what it was. He did, they, gave, <laughs> they gave him something. They gave him something special. This no, podcist is Monster satire. Juice. I don't want to be sued. But, but this team has been weird at the end of games with as many good ball yeah. handlers as you have that they cannot seem to handle... 
pressure at the end of games. I, but and maybe it's focused. But how maybe, many teams are we saying this about across the country when we're hyper focused on that team? Yeah, I think a lot of teams, yeah. when you're put in the situation of we have to hang on to the ball, but we're not going to try and score, so the other team can all out pressure the ball. Right. It makes it hard to hold on the ball, especially if you have young guards. Yeah. Who haven't been the, in the, the wars. The, the googie part is. They're, they're so good at the free throw line at the end of games that when they do get it in and take care of it, it's lights out game over. And, and yeah. that part's the good part. The bad part is they make you sweat because suddenly it's a turnover. It's a live ball turnover. And boom, here's a bucket. I mean, the, the, all of a sudden an eight point lead is two. Down, down to two. But yeah. at least what they have is some teams like don't have the point guard like Louisville, for instance, when they get in that mode, it's they're like, in, can they, they get yeah, the right. ball across midcourt against the right. press? At least Kentucky. As much as they can turn it over, Tyrese Maxey could also cross over right between a trap and go right up the middle of the floor right. as a blur and lead to a lob. Yeah, like no. they can break the press still. They just make some boneheaded mistakes. All right, they've they've evolved, I believe, on bracket matrix after yesterday, they've evolved Towards into a four, four seed. Yeah, yeah, to a four seed. I guess the question is, and what they've got left is at Texas A and M, Auburn at home, which would be a good one, Tennessee at home, and at Florida. So the Auburn at home and the at Florida, even though Florida's not great, Florida's Those are gonna be both playing for its lives. Those are both quad ones. Yeah. I, I, I if they win out, I guess, and, and get deep in the SEC tournament, I, they, they've got to elevate themselves probably to a three at some you point. Would, I, I don't think. think there's any doubt they'll be eight and three in quad one. Um, and if they win those last those other two quad twos, they're six and one in quad twos. Obviously, they have the quad four loss that everyone's going to point to yes. against Evansville. Yeah, but 14 and four quad one and two is monstrous. Yeah, I don't think most teams have that type of resume. I think they're in a really good spot to end up as a three seed. I, I don't know. I haven't looked closely enough at the two seeds. I mean... Duke, Dayton, Maryland, Florida State. I think Florida State's probably iffy. They're they might iffy, be yeah. a team that you could jump. I don't know if UK's in position to do so, but I think three is definitely yeah, If, if Dayton crapped itself and lost its last couple, three games in the A-10 and got bounced early, but that's not going to happen. I don't they're, think that's going to happen. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. good. for that to happen, for goodness sakes. Yeah, Obi Toppin's a lot of fun to watch. He's insane. National Player of the Year? Is that your... I think he's got a good chance. I was talking to a couple people about that the other day, and then when you start, you say that initially, and you go, ah, no, and then you start looking around. Miles Powell certainly is in that conversation based on what yeah. Seton Hall has Powell's done. had more off games than than Obi. It's, yeah. it's, it's easier to do that in the A10. Yeah, yes. have as many off games. Yeah, well, um, and as a shooter, as opposed to a six a, a score and six a dunker. Eleven dunker. Um, can you imagine that? anyone in the world wanting to get out of a city faster than Obi Toppin? <laughs> I think he likes Dayton. You're a megastar in the city of Dayton. And, and you're probably overshadowed by Loudon Love just because of who he is in his frame. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get under your skin with that. I, 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 I have no comment. I, I can't believe I, I, was, I was looking at some Wright State stuff the other day, and I can't believe you didn't come up with this nickname, Matt N.R.A. Gee. I've got a different role these days. Yeah, he's a little more, it's a little more professional. So I can come That's up with a smart it. move yeah. there, uh, my friend Rick. It's a, it's I've a had to delete a few tweets along the way. Yeah. <laughs> those receipts were hanging out there, buddy. Yeah. You want to clean those up. Yeah, I, it's cleaned. Yeah. Look, I'm not an NFL draft pick. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's a very smart move. Uh, he, he's got a degree in this. Let, let, let's talk about the NKU Norse. Um, a good week, obviously. And, and certainly, really certainly to finish it off with the win over Youngstown to clinch at the minimum the two seed and now put yourself in position to get the one seed. Well, Youngstown State popping right state on Thursday, Thursday night yeah, all of right. a sudden made it right. a whole a, right. a totally different weekend. Well, and Youngstown State was playing to try to get itself to the two seed with that with that game against uh, NKU, so that that made it even more impressive. They had a legit shot. I mean, that game Saturday afternoon, that place was rocking. 
that team was desperate. They were scrapping and clawing. I mean, when NKU kind of took that initial punch, settled in, and then played well the rest of the first half, had a nice lead, I was kind of like, okay, they're good to go. Also, the second half, Youngstown State put up a heck of a fight. It was well, a really you knew fun they, game I mean, to again, watch. They were, they were playing for a two-seed in the league, right? I mean, so that you'd figure they'd come out and, and not, not well, go And, and they wanted the notoriety of sweeping yeah, the they just, two they teams just beat the Wolves. at their place. In the same weekend, I mean, they had it all right there for them, and they almost did it. I mean, Northern Kentucky did a great job of letting them back in that game in the last couple minutes. Yeah, I mean, it was a really entertaining game, but I felt like Youngstown State, I I credited them more so than I felt like NKU really cost themselves. I mean, there were some calls that I don't know that they were terrible calls necessarily, but some 50-50 calls certainly that seemed to... I finally saw the highlight of the Jalen Tate play at the end of the game, and I'm, I'm not sure I'd blow that whistle. Maybe, maybe it's the I human would tend nature to agree. being an official in a home arena. I think that had a lot moment. to do with it. And okay. I, my, my problem there would be the Horizon League has had an issue in the past. Now, granted, most of it's been in the Horizon League tournament of not getting its best team to the NCAA tournament. Let's not try to screw over your best teams at end of games. I, now, granted, I'm not saying you should be no. calling a foul for Jalen Tate. They're right. asking, like, NKU shouldn't be getting calls necessarily, but don't screw them over with a 50-50 call. That was that a play on. That well, especially on. when Jalen Tate has been using that arm bar that he had up there the entire game, and they haven't called it. And that was no, it's not like he shoved off or anything. It so. was not felonious. It was there, but it felonious. wasn't extended. I like it. I like it. <laughs> felonious. It was more of a misdemeanor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes you get you can get dinged for the misdemeanor too. And he right got on dinged for it. I will say you you told me about the end of the play. I talked to, to to you, Rick, after the the game, and you were driving back yesterday, and you told me the the last play, Youngstown with the three. It was even worse than what you told. I, I, that's the best you could get was a for a guy who's not three? A, who, for a guy who's not really a shooter, right? I mean, he's a driver and he's small. And other guys were making plays in that game and had knocked down shots. I just feel like he's got to give that up. Talking about Darius Quisenberry yeah, from Youngstown State. Yeah, the State. shot that at the very end. Was well, I mean, three. he's coming off a 41-point game. He's frustrated. He wants to finally be able to put that dagger in. But you're right. I mean, as the leader, he's got to be better than that. He's got to know to get somebody open. And, you know, I and mean, he caught uh, – Don, uh, Cathcart. Cathcart, Cathcart yeah. yes. That guy there was having the game of his career. And he clearly had the hot hand and didn't touch the ball. And he was kind of open-ish on that play. And that's yeah, kind of what I was He was more saying. open than Quiz was. Well, everyone on the court was, including right. Jim Kelch and I. Yeah, <laughs> and you might have made it from where you were. No, you no doubt about that. <laughs> All right, so it sets up the showdown with the right state. Friday night at BB&T Arena. It is a uh, Which, by the way, they needed time. overtime to get past Cleveland State yes, on they did. Yes, Saturday they did. afternoon as well. So it's weird. Does NKU come into this game in a better place than right state, or you you just have to look at all these weekends in this league and go, that weekend's a vacuum, the next weekend's coming up. I think it's vacuums. Uh, I think what Northern Kentucky's got to think about is not let what happened to them at Wright State, what, a month ago, you know, adversely affect them. Because they went out there and they just got blown out from the word go, and it's time to defend your house. And this is the game that was circled on the calendar from the times those calendars were printed. This is all you've talked about is this game, and you can't Meaning, go out and there. it means something. That's and, the thing. And, and, it and you pretty something. much knew that it was going to mean something, but now it's concrete, and you just can't lay an egg. It's like SEC football. Just means more. It just means more. It just this means more. You know what it means, right there? It means more than I mean, that game that happened. How right many State. times? How many that. times, though, Rick? After an NKU game, we talk about a good, you know, good win, feeling good about yourself, and somebody would say, "Yeah, I can't wait to face Wright State on February 28th. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and downplay what you just did that day. Right. 
this is it right now. Yeah, and fr- from the team's perspective, they haven't exactly. I, get, I usually get yelled at for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so I, I always that. yell at him. Um, you you haven't shown up exactly. You know, like that first game against Wright State didn't show up. UIC came, smacked you in the mouth, didn't show up. So can you handle Green the moment Bay a little at bit? At home, yeah, didn't show up. There's some teams that have come after you. You know, Wright State's going to be that case because it's a rivalry game. Will they show up with all that's on the line? I think that kind of remain. That's a question that remains about this team. We don't exactly know how they handle those moments yet, and but. they've just not been healthy at all. All their parts have not been together. And I know that's an excuse, but it's also a reason. And that's the thing. Wright State's got the best roster in the league. They have the best point guard. They have the best post player. And they have the best outside shooter. It but takes a perfect game to beat those guys. They have William Wampler, baby. Well, he's, yeah, you he's stop, your outside shooter. How do you stop Willie Wampler? Put J.P. McCura on him, apparently, <laughs> from what I hear from the high school days. <laughs> um. Last year, I think when we were talking about NKU at the end, we were trying to look at, at matchups in the Horizon League tournament, and you didn't like a couple. Is there one this year? Does it matter to you if they're the one seed or the two seed, or does it matter more just to, to, to get that one seed and, and kind of solidify what would be at the very worst than an NIT bid, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess UIC you probably don't want to see at this point. Probably not. I think the number one seed does a lot of things. It's the guaranteed trip to the NIT. It's playing the first game in the semifinal round when you're going to play the very next day in the championship. Yeah. And it's that that confidence. The one bad thing is, is you think, well, we've already got an NIT yeah. <laughs> bid matched up. We're the number one seed. Those are all recipes for disaster at the same time. You just got to be able to take care of your business. And you might as well put yourself in the best position possible. And to me, that's the number one seed. And you're probably going to see Wright State a third time if, yep. if things all work out. And so that's the one thing about this game coming up between them on Friday night at BB&T Arena. As long as NKU doesn't get blown out the way it happened at Wright State, I'll feel pretty good about where things stand. Because if it's a close game and the type of matchup we think it sure. is when NKU plays the way they can, it's going to be really difficult to beat that team three times. But if you get dominated again, then it's like then you go. They're, you, they're that just much they're that much better, and you have to be like, well, they really need to come up with some type of gimmick in that uh, conference championship game. But as long as it's a, a, a competitive finish, I'll feel pretty good about where things are at for NKU because I I don't think anybody else in the conference is really as good as NKU. NKU has to play down to the competition to lose to pretty much everybody else, and it's happened is the problem. Oh, it's happened for sure. But I mean, it's. You control your own destiny when you feel like you're better than those teams. Yeah. You just have to play your game. And I don't know if that's the case for Wright State yet. All right, final take time. I'll start with Brady Labor. Brady Labor, final take. You got one? I do. I got a couple. Okay. Um, let's go with an easy, fun one. This guy. I like it. Easy, fun one. <laughs> so we all talked a couple weeks ago about Northern Kentucky in the uh, 94 feet putt. When the yes. guy drained barley it. corn, yeah, for barley corns, five thousand dollars at Old Miss last night. An eighty-four-year-old grandmother did the same thing for a brand new car. Putted, yes. Wow. Now the hole in the board that was bigger, but still, she was eighty-four years old, Chief, and that's a car. The holes are always bigger when you're eighty-four, and she just best the believe it. That's the and it was the weird story. because the the background was all black as Let's far as the later. sign that they put up in there. It seemed like there was a, a degree of difficulty that I know I could not have achieved. Uh, yeah, I, I, the putt across college basketball floors is 
a great promotion because it feels impossible to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we're yet, seeing it happen, seeing it happen. a decent amount. Yeah. I know, but it just looks... Even 84-year-old grandmothers can do it. So difficult to do, and when someone hits it, it's an electric factory. They're going to the find out she was an original member of the LPGA Tour and take it away from her, and we've seen that happen <laughs> before, right? Where Fred had a college basketball background. He played at Division Nine. Cuts down state, and that's why you can't win the prize for sinking the midcourt shot. Sorry. Yeah, or she's blind and can't actually drive, so they're going to have to just There's get the car yeah, anyway. Exactly. There's something yeah. like that. Um, before you get to your second point, I do want to say I saw a halftime little gimmick promotion thing at Youngstown State on Saturday, and it was two kids like strapped to a bungee cord on each free throw line. So there's a bungee cord in between them. Okay. They're at each free throw line shooting at opposite baskets. And so, like, they go and try to score and, and play, like, one-on-one, essentially, at the opposite ends. And they get pulled but, backwards? But, yeah, well, they go up for a layup, and all of a sudden, they just go snapping back and fall on, like, their head. <laughs> oh, they got bike phenomenal. helmets on and stuff. Was it was, saying, oh, it was incredible, it. and it costs, like, absolutely nothing to put that in place. Did, did every anybody school, score? Every school in America, I think one kid had, like, two buckets. Okay. But every school in America should be doing that promotion. You do it with, like, six, seven-year-old kids, it's fantastic. While we're on the topic of halftime. Or drunk college kids. Or drunk college kids, yeah. The guy at UC today, it's the greatest racket in the history of the of the world. He he, he clearly just quit his day job. Frisbee dogs? No. Simon Says. Simon Says guy. I love oh, Simon I, Says. I don't like that guy I love at Simon all. Says guy. Oh, that's yeah, a, I do. It's a joke, but you got to credit the guy. Like That's hustling smart. All he's doing is bark, barkering or barking or whatever. Simon says orders and he just goes around the country at halftime. I mean, how many people participate? It's a great racket. There was, there was a, a huge group of people and he narrowed it down. He doesn't and then quit. You get to yeah. Two, and then he does like a dance off. A Simon says dance off with them. He's quick. He's, he's good. Quick. He's just playing Simon says that I, guy was working in like accounting. It was Steve from accounting. And now his job is just Simon says. I like Simon, Simon says. Simon how do you from come accounting. up with that? Are you, are you like Simon saysing it like Thanksgiving? And you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to turn this into something. Well, I think I, think I got something I here. think it's a lot of years of being celibate, first and foremost, <laughs> that leads point. you to that. <laughs> but not by choice. No, 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 not by choice. Not, definitely not by, not by choice, but Simon says he probably Simon says wasn't you ain't getting, getting any, my friend. But yeah. I was saying, like, of all the rackets like people come up with and, like, they want to just, do, you know, change their life and not really work, like, that guy's near the top of the list. Could you imagine Simon says talking to that guy at a bar? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. What do you do? I'm, I'm the Simon, Simon says, says guy at halftime shows. Excuse me? No, like I'm elite. <laughs> like I, I, am I am really number, good. I am the number one caller of Simon Says. Yeah, I can make you do things you would never want and to do. I, miss. I'm gonna guess he got paid for that gig today. Of course, he, that's my sure. Point. That's my whole that's point. Right. Do, do you think there's like a convention? Like he really is number one. Like well, last year at the we had the we had the annual Simon Says convention in Orlando. And, I think uh, to be a Simon Says caller though, and a player are two different things. It's two different skill sets. Well, yeah, of I want yeah. Ken Palm for Simon Says guys. Like how, like Simon Says efficiency. Yeah, <laughs> offensive efficiency for Simon Says versus defensive efficiency for like Simon how many Says. times are the kids not tricked by your Simon Sayzing? Yeah, versus how many times did they get themselves out by just being dumb? By just being stupid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Are uh, you got take number two? Yeah, um, just. We talked about grad transfers earlier in the podcast, and during the week, uh, more talk about the, you know, no sit out for your first transfer, and it, it, I just like everything, yeah, man. I think it's going to happen. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Are you and for there's it? a, I have mixed feelings. Um, I'm all about the player. Um, so then you're yeah, for it. Then, you're then for I'm it. for it. But I keep hearing about how the coaches complain about it. But I keep going back to, but chief, you can go leave anytime you want. You're the one in control of these kids. Um, so 
personally, I'm for it. But how much do you guys think this opens up what what the naysayers would say? None. Free agency. None. In college basketball. None, because you have it with the transfer portal anyway, and people are trying to find loopholes through it. So let's just end the loopholes. You get one free. I think we've all agreed. You don't get 55 different. You right. can't transfer every month. We're already you get one there. free. We're, We're already, already there, there to the free agency are. waivers. Right. It's yeah. as bad as it's really going right. to get. Anybody who wants to transfer leaves. And, and by the way, the other reason I don't ever feel bad for coaches is because they, they're only mad about this when it doesn't benefit them and they're trying to trap a kid at their university. Yeah. They have no problem forcing these kids out every year to bring new and kids And or then in. finding right. the kid in the transfer portal that you yeah. can go get and help your yeah. team they that say, year. They yeah. say, no, I need to know what my roster is. Yet all of them are scrambling looking to Force kids right. out in June and July because they want to bring someone else in that just became available to yeah, them. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going to pass pretty quickly. I, I, so I, then I, the other argument is is how much are coaches, especially the the dirtbag ones, that are going to try to recruit kids who are still at a school and so, probably still happy I mean, that it's, it's, happens. Happens. it's already happening yeah, it's now. I don't think it'll that change much. Change anything because they're already doing that at such an extreme level. If we're being honest, I mean the yeah, tampering no, is crazy. Yeah, in I, college I, I basketball, I, I think it's going to happen. As we've talked about many times before, we we both know an assistant coach a high major assistant coach that already has a transfer list for like 2021 and 2022. Like kids that he knows went to a bad situation. He's like, that kid will transfer I'm poaching out. That, I'm poaching yeah. that kid. Yeah, like this one's not going to work out. That kid didn't want to commit there. Like he's got a list out to like 2022 after the 2022 season. Some of these kids are still in high school and they are already on the list for when they're going to transfer two years from now. And and really, tampering is almost a silly rule when you think about it. Because it's like, I, I know you shouldn't be trying to convince them to come to your school. But in terms of, like, you shouldn't be talking to them if you're an assistant coach from their school. Like, you establish legit relationships yeah, with all these sure. kids. Some of them you've known for their entire lives. So, like, to act like you're never going to text the kid or talk to him again is kind of a silly concept to begin with. So, if a kid is struggling, he's in a bad situation, it looks like he's going to transfer. Of course, an assistant with a relationship with him is going to reach out to him. So, I don't think that's changing a whole lot if we're being honest. Final take, Rick Boring, you got one? Jed Demusi is wow. one fine sports anchor. I've said a lot of things about him on these podcasts. I know you have. Not all of them have been nice. In fact, I'd say about 95%. You never say anything nice about his Miami Redhawks. Never. Well, that's a different story. Love and honor. But we are brothers in arms this week because he put out one of the best investigative journalist pieces I've ever seen in uh, the local sports media last night on the news about the Fairborn Raider Wolves. And I am uh, I was really impressed by it, so I encourage you to look at his Twitter. I thought you were talking about Jared Demusi. No, 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 <laughs> different one, completely different. different. In, inside joke. If you just look at the replies to that great tweet he made, uh, you got a final take, Chad Reynolds. It's going to happen, isn't it, guys? Nick Crone's going to make the NCAA tournament. It's going to be UC versus UCLA. First, first, ga- first game in Dayton. Now, you can see it coming. You From can a mile see away. It tw- you can see it trending. Oh, and Xavier Dayton are going to be playing. That'd be great. Would that? Yeah, I mean that's pretty. Yeah. They're gonna be second second round matchup, yeah, probably a two, or something. A two, a two nine seed, right? Yeah, yeah. or two ten, a two ten, ten seed. Two, two I mean, ten. Like the first game of the NCAA tournament. Is, There's no question. Going to be it's it's trending in that direction. Cincinnati, UCLA. I'd feel pretty in good Dayton. about that if I was a Bearcat fan. I don't Have know, you man. UCLA's playing pretty well right now. You watched Mick Cronin in the NCAA tournament, dude. Thirteen years of it. I mean, if you get him in the round of thirty-two, you've got a great problem. Is this is the round of beginning? Yeah, so this is the round of sixty-eight. Yeah, the round of thirty-two is where yeah. the problem lies. Good, um, it's insane what that team has developed into based on how awful they, they were, were. Awful, awful. Colorado's good. They just went to Colorado and won. That's a good they, win. They they did the the, the two game road sweep, which is I guess I'm, I'm new to this Pac-12 thing. Yeah, Utah and Colorado on yeah, the road. Utah they got and Colorado, both. Colorado on the road. I, how bad was Steve Alford? 
We all knew that part. Talent. We all knew he was bad. Like we're seeing now the, the the talent level of that team to have gotten them to a place where it, they were that broken with that much talent on the roster. It, it, it says a lot about mixed coaching. I think it also says more to Steve Alford was just dreadful. That he was establishing a culture and and and. I mean, dude, Levar Ball handed him a national championship. Let's not forget that. Yeah, he handed him a national championship and he pissed it away. Just remember that at all times. So. I mean that was a national championship level team. It was. I said Lavar handed it to him. He gave he gave him the he gave him the final piece to the puzzle, and he still couldn't. Hell, he couldn't even get past around a sixteen, could he? No, they lost to Kentucky, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. nice, very nice. No, I, it's, it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I, I'm when they you. won that when, at the end of the Colorado game, it was just like it, this is really gonna happen. The, the way that they're both trending. They're both trending right towards that play in. And right game. or wrong, you know the committee likes that kind oh, of stuff. They dude, love it. They love it. There's no chance. Yeah, they, they love would it. Pass that up, and especially for that because it's not like you're having to say, "Well, if this happens, they could play maybe yeah. in round two if yeah. they both can win." No, this is you can set this up from the absolute get go, and make for good TV. Tuesday, I mean, the, the nation would be watching on a Tuesday night. You see, exactly. UCLA. I know, I, know, I know this city would be watching on True TV. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is on True TV. All right, boys. We'll be back next week. We got uh, we're inching towards Selection Sunday, uh, or, thanks, or or UCLA Xavier in the first four game. Mm. I don't think Xavier's going to end up in the first four. I don't either. I'm with you. I think the two. The yeah, two I don't necessarily be, think they are either. But I like, think it's going to be the two ten, and Dayton will be the two. Yeah. that's my guess. I'm, I'm I'm with that. I'm I'm more along those lines. All right, we'll be back next week. We got uh, a couple more weeks till Selection Sunday. Conference tournaments are fast approaching. The big showdown Friday to talk about. With Wright State and NKU, we'll see what kind of mood Rick, Rick Boring's in. If he's assassinated the people in Dayton on Twitter, I'm sure he will between now and then. He's going to try to man He's going to try to contain himself, but he's not going to be able to do it. For Brady Labor and uh, my man Rick Boring and Chad Brennan from Bearcat Journal, thanks for being with us. The Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition.